I'm Cullen Burke, and this is Cauldron, a history of the world, battle by battle. Devers leaned up against the bonnet of his muddy, dinged-up-and-dented Vauxhall D-type. The large, boxy staff car had a certain beauty and grace to it, and Harry had been in enough close-run situations while driving her that he'd grown to trust her. Of course, that hadn't always been the case. Most of his life, Harry had worked in livery yards as a stable boy. He loved how, with a horse, you could see them thinking. With a horse, there was a mutual understanding and a bond. You hold me, I'll guide you. When the business in Sarajevo happened, Harry did his bit and joined. Sure, he wanted to do the right thing, but what he didn't tell his family was he really just wanted to get away. The war, he was told, would be quick and easy. So, Harry thought it'd be a cheap way to see the world. At first, he'd worked with horse teams pulling artillery, but one day he was forced to pilot free a bogged-down lorry. It was stuck in some rather hungry mud, and in the process, Harry proved himself a skillful driver, and he was quickly reassigned. He hated the machines in the beginning. Harry couldn't tell what the bloody things were thinking or, or how to handle them. Harry didn't feel any kind of bond with them, but... Over time, and through circumstances, Harry came to love the power and strength that came with the roar of the engine. These metal beasts could really go. Sure, they were a touch temperamental and fussy, but Harry Devers, the self-identified horseman, was converted. Driving the dull green Vauxhall was by far Harry's favorite job to date. He could work magic with her and had at times pulled the proverbial hair from Cap. Outside of having a posh car to speed around in, the Vauxhall represented safety for Harry. As a lorry driver, Harry had just spent the last three months driving supplies in and out of the Devil's Bowl. Night after night, Harry dodged death on the narrow supply roads in and out of the ruins of Ypres, known to Harry and his chums as Wipers. Because the Bosch had artillery on the ridges to the east of the demolished town, every night was a gamble. He would drive artillery ammunition into enemy firing range at sundown and then load up the wounded. Trying to make his lorry small and quiet, Harry would then creep back to the base, area behind the front, and hopefully by sunup, he'd be safe from shelling. Harry could usually make this trip in 60 minutes or less. Of course, that was rarely the case. Almost every night, the roads flooded, 
where the enemy took successful pot shots at the vehicles coming and going from wipers. It was the reason Harry had been reassigned to the Vauxhall staff car in the first place. One night, a lucky German shot hit the road in front of his truck. Harry swerved to miss the fresh crater. He was lucky, thrown right from the vehicle. The wounded men he was transporting, though, were not. The truck slid into a sinkhole on the roadside. Another expertly sighted artillery round slammed into the cab. The entire thing burst into flames, and slowly, as the burning vehicle sank, the screams mingled with a high-pitched sizzle. The whole lorry was on fire now, and as it sank into the muck, the fire was extinguished, along with the screams. Harry had to be dragged away from the horrifying scene. He was weeping and moaning uncontrollably. Lad, you seem a bit broken at the moment, said his CO. Harry was lying in his cot, staring blankly at the barrack ceiling. The CO went on. Not to worry, though. I've just the thing to get you ship-shape. A short stint running the ink-slingers and pen-pushers about, and you'll be right as rain. And that is how Harry Devers, the horseman-turned-lorry-escape artist, became a chauffeur to the high and mighty. Today's orders were pretty straightforward. Harry was to meet some high-ranking officer near the cloth hall, or what remained of it, and bring said officer to the front. The battle around wipers had been raging for months and was now starting to die out. Harry had heard that the little town of Passchendaele was finally in Allied hands. The Huns, it appeared, had been pushed back but not beaten. The lines were stiffening back up as both sides prepared for another long winter. The war, once again, would not be over by Christmas. As he leaned against the Vauxhall, Harry looked around. There wasn't much to see of wipers anymore. Rubble strewn about, mounds of rubble where buildings once stood, human rubble piled around the field hospitals. The roads going to and from the front were bustling. A stream of wounded came into town while a river of war went out. Fresh men, guns, ammunition, vehicles, supplies of every kind flowed towards the east, further proof the fighting wasn't near to over. As he scanned the devastation, men and earth alike, Harry heard a sudden rat-tat-tat. The noise surprised him. He pushed off the car and spun towards the sound. The shock vanished as Harry snapped to attention. A tall, polished, trim man was pointedly slapping his walking stick on the staff car's bonnet. My ride, I presume, said the crisp-looking officer in front of him. Sir! Harry cracked off a salute and ran around to the passenger door and opened it. The man that brushed past him into the car was a lieutenant general and the cleanest thing Harry'd seen in weeks. His uniform was the same color as Harry's Vauxhall, a dull olive green. But where the Vauxhall's green was splattered with mud, blackened by smoke, and stripped to the metal by countless dings from shrapnel, the lieutenant general's green was immaculate. To Harry, it looked as if the man's uniform had just come out of the box. 
He even smelled clean. The zippy burn of aftershave wafted past Harry as he closed the door and moved around the car to the driver's side. Harry hadn't showered or changed his clothes in over two weeks. The fact that he must have reeked and some of his lice was bound to get on the officer's uniform didn't bother Harry at all. In fact, he kind of liked the idea. Driving a staff officer to the front was rare, even unique. Harry had never done it before and knew of only one general that made it a habit. Plumer was loved by his men and seemed to be at the front with his men as often as he could be. He was no Alexander or King Arthur, sword waving above his head, but General Plumer was more the type that wanted to see what the men were dealing with, living in. It's why Plumer's men loved him. He cared for them, and if he didn't live in the slop with them, he at least knew what his orders meant for them. The fellow Harry was driving today clearly had no idea what his orders actually meant, or what they would do or had done to the men that had to carry them out. The older man, in the crisp green uniform with its blood-red bars, had set his jaw and stared straight ahead as soon as they had started on the road. Harry Devers was no dummy. He could tell when a man thought conversation, even the barest pleasantries, was beneath him. So, the former stable boy held his tongue and did his job. The two men drove into the sea of mud and muck in the awkward silence of people living parallel but completely alien lives. The aforementioned river of war was just a giant traffic jam of men and machines, but the staff car's insignia worked like a charm. All obstacles in front of the car, even the wounded, had to move aside as the Vauxhall carried the man that had ordered this madness closer to his creation. As Harry pressed the pedal and drove on, the scenery became more and more the visions of the macabre he knew all too well. The front had rolled east with the fighting but had left the detritus of battle along the way. As far as the eye could see in every direction, the earth was dented. Some of the dents were big enough to swallow houses. The craters covered everything. Bizarre, almost art-like formations were created when shell holes built on other shell holes and made strange lunar-like sculptures. Wispy outlines of trees rose from the misery like the early morning tendrils of a campfire's smoke. Bodies, bits of bodies, and the sunken form of what was once bodies were everywhere. The closer Harry drove to the front, the fresher the corpses were, which meant they had faces, noses, limbs, eyes. The older ones were almost better. Harry could imagine they were just mounds of mud. But as they drove on, Harry's imagination failed him. Harry had seen it all, had lived it, yet still he could feel the blood drain from his face. His lips went cold and dry. The horror was real, but he had a job to do. This bastard wanted to see what he had done and who was Harry to deny him. They drove on. 
As they passed an unusually large shell hole, Harry slowed the Vauxhall down. The driving was tricky here. If the mud gave way, the car, Harry, and his immaculate passenger would all slide into a slow death with no one to save them. Harry was firm but deliberate in his handling of the car. He punched the accelerator the last ten feet to push them past the dangerous ridge. As they zipped on, the massive hole in the world that they had just skimmed around collapsed. Hundreds, maybe thousands of pounds of sludgy earth slid into the inky water and disappeared. Had the Vauxhall been with that mud, both men would have been bloated, floating corpses by the end of the week. Harry saw the lieutenant general's face go sheet white, and he was clutching his riding crop so hard, Harry thought he'd break it. Again, they drove on. They'd gone 15 minutes further when they had to stop. A skeletal horse was wild-eyed and scrambling in the middle of the road. There were a few riflemen around, but they did nothing. Harry knew that this wasn't a matter of heartlessness. Quite the opposite. These men had killed and seen killing. They were hardened to battle and death, the very edge of the Allied sword. No, these men just could not bring themselves to kill the miserable poor horse. She had been pretty, too. Harry could tell right off. At some point, she had strong, sinewy muscles encased in a silky black coat. Now, the former beauty seemed to be infected and infested with whatever the Western Front had to offer. Her hind legs trailed limply behind her as she dragged herself forward. The horse's eyes rolled and bulged, looking for the kind of help that could only come one way. The poor, sweating wretch dragged and huffed a few more feet, and then its front legs gave, and she collapsed. Harry stopped the car and waited for someone to do what had to be done. None of the men on the roadside moved. In fact, they all turned away or stared into the ground. Harry slowly rode the brake to a stop a few feet from the weakly scrambling horse in the road. Harry couldn't blame the men. This was the way of things now. He knew it. They knew it. The horse would learn it. He quickly but deliberately walked up to the poor animal. She was frothing and gurgling. There was a track of machine gun across her body. Some of the shots had punctured her lungs. Death was coming. Harry just had to decide when. Quickly, he pulled his revolver, placed the barrel between the pretty young horse's eyes, and pulled. The frothing stopped. The legs kicked twice, then relaxed. There was a moment's peace on the western front for one beast. Then Harry looked around through eyes that seemed to be drowning and called out, Give us a hand here, he said gruffly but light enough to turn heads. We need to move along. A heave and a ho, Bob's your uncle. Gently now, though. She was a fine, dignified-like beast in her prime. Let's give her a bit of rest, eh, chaps? Harry and the men dragged the gangly animal to the edge of a shell hole and rolled her in. They stood and watched as she rolled a few times and splashed into the mess below. 
The animal joined the others in the muck. Harry didn't state a count, but there were probably eight or nine other horses in the pit. Harry made a point to ignore the human shapes that drifted about in the black pool below. He turned to walk back up the crater's side and to the car, but pulled up quick. The perfect brown leather boots and shiny buckles, the immaculate olive green uniform and bright red bars that were standing in front of him gave Harry pause. He hadn't expected the officer to leave the car, let alone walk about. As he took in Lieutenant General Keigel's face, something was different. Harry followed his eyes. The general was looking at the black sea of muddy holes, at the ivy-like barbed wire everywhere, at the men and beast partially decayed in and out of the water. Harry looked back at the man he had been driving forward and was shocked. The general's cap had gone to his side and was just barely being held by the older man's limp fingers. The big burly mustache that had laid still the entire drive was shivering and shaking. Harry noticed the man's gray eyes streaming tears and staring straight at him. We, we sent men to fight in that! The general's arm limply gestured to the long dead Flemish fields before him. His understanding of the world seemed to evaporate. In the same second, it was replaced by the knowledge of what he'd done. Harry didn't hate the man. He found it hard to hate anyone, except maybe those bastards that had shot up that horse. Or any horse, for that matter. But Harry did want this man. This man that had called for more attacks without knowing. Told his men to do more without seeing to finally understand. He needed to understand what Harry and the others and the horses and even the newfangled machines knew. He looked into the gray eyes and simply said, It's worse farther up 